Welcome back, Season 2, Episode 2, Once Upon a Phrase. I'm your host, Jason. And your other host, Lisa. Quick reminder, wherever you listen to us, Apple, Spotify, the Googles, your computer, I'm pretty (laughs) sure you can listen on a computer, I don't know. Your phone. Uh, Yeah, whatever. Your Uh, car on your way to work. Yeah, rate and review, please, it really does help. Also, follow us on Instagram at Once Upon a Phrase. And before we get this episode started, quick shout out to our longtime sponsor. They did a bunch of episodes for us last season, Fat Chris's Pizza and Such. If you live in the Chicagoland area, particularly Andersonville um, and those surrounding places, give them a shot. Uh, You can go to the website, fatchrispizza.com, dine-in, delivery, pickup, everything you need. I definitely recommend it. They're delicious. They have delicious pizza. They themselves are not delicious. I mean, they might be, but (laughs) their pizza definitely is. All right. Some new season two things. We will be releasing episodes bi-weekly. And also, if any of our listeners have phrases they would like to have us explain on the air, we are going to call it our viewer's choice. Wait. Not viewer's. No. I mean, listener's choice. You guys can't see us right now. They cannot see us. Probably good they can't see us. Uh, We are definitely in our pajamas right now. <laughs> oh. It reminds us. Of, it reminds me of uh, when we were remote teaching, where we had to be on camera from pretty much the chest up. So you'd wear a nice T-shirt, at least I would, or a nice cardigan, and then be in pajama pants on the bottom. I definitely taught every day of remote teaching in a polo and basketball shorts. All right, so listeners, please, if you have any phrases you want us to share the meaning and the background of, please share share them with us on Instagram. And we will incorporate them into our bi-weekly episodes. Yes. Uh, today, for example, we will have one on at the end. Uh, I don't really have a cool name for it yet. I think we're just calling it Listener's Pick or Listener's Choice. I think Listener's Choice. Unless we get a better name for it, that's what we're calling it right now. Listener's Wander. Wonder. I don't know. If you have, How about this? If you have a good name for this segment, segment please put it on our Instagram page. Um, All right. So I'm sure you're really excited about today's episode. Today's episode is about sports, which if any of you know my husband, that is what he lives, eats, and breathes. That's what, that's how you say it, right? That's probably not. For somebody who has an etymology podcast, you definitely got that phrase wrong. Um, it didn't sound like it flowed, so it I'm did sure not flow. I messed up um, So sports, uh, season two, episode two, I can't believe it took us this long to get to sports. However, this one was particularly hard for me to research. Because when we look up these phrases, you know, we'll do some research together, sometimes separate. Lisa will always ask, you know, have you heard of this? And I'll ask, you know, what about this phrase? Do you know what that means? Just to sort of bounce ideas off each other. When we do an episode on sports, I've heard all of these phrases. So I wasn't a lot of help in that department. But I will get us started with our first phrase being bandwagon. So as I would say a sports fan... Would you consider yourself a general sports fan? A general sports fan, yes. Sure, okay. Do you know what the bandwagon phrase means? What, what, is, a, what is a bandwagon? We'll... So I've heard the bandwagon phrase, I, I've heard it out of your mouth particularly, whenever people start to all of a sudden have a new favorite team and that favorite team happens to be on their way to winning the championship. All of a sudden, they are their biggest fan when they didn't even know who they were probably last season. 
So perfect. Um, as you know, you may have you know figured we live in Chicago. Um, so not a lot of people jumping on our bandwagons right now. Our teams are struggling to put it politely. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head, right? They they're kind of just leaning into whatever team is good. So we saw this a lot when like the Golden State Warriors, the New York Yankees, um, Chicago. I guess the only bandwagon we've had to jump on recently was remember that nice dynasty the Blackhawks had. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Like, the good thing about Chicago though is I feel like if especially particularly in our household, if you're a Cubs fan or a Bears fan. You tend to be diehard loyal fans, no matter what the team is going through in the season. At least in my household, it seems to be that way. That no matter what, you ride or die for them. Yes. Uh, you guys have no <laughs> idea how excited I am that Lisa just took a shot at the Chicago White Sox. Uh, she did it in a very nice, polite way, um, but that was definitely a shot at the White Sox and how nobody likes Different podcasts. All right, this is not a sports podcast. Why is it on this episode? Because the phrase jumping on the bandwagon is, did not originate with sports. Um, it was, you know, way back in the 19th century. Uh, this was a politics phrase. This is something that was, you know, very popular during campaigns. They would actually have bandwagons. What the heck is a bandwagon, right? It's a is parade. Is like the parade? Yeah, like it's the a parade. Big floats for parades? Yep. So candidates would actually sit on those parade floats and they would give speeches and, you know, they would draw a crowd, you know, they elevate you above the crowd. And just, I just think of that scene from Ferris Bueller when he's on the parade float and everybody's around him in downtown. That's kind of how, you know, um, these political gatherings would go. And while they give these speeches, they would explain, you know, what they were running on and what stances they were taking and the people that supported them, were actually jumping on the bandwagon. It, it showed your support for that candidate. They uh they can trace us back to 1848. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of President Zachary Taylor. Um, Lisa, anything? No. If you if viewers could listeners could see my face right now, no, mm, nope, so, not familiar to me. Extremely irrelevant sounds disrespectful. I don't want to say that about a president, but uh, not a very well known president. We'll go with that, right? Was he in office for full four years? Yeah, he, or... yeah, he did his thing. The, but so, nothing memorable? No. no. The only okay. reason I actually get excited when I hear anything about Zachary Taylor is because I remember in middle school, we all had to do a presidential pro- project. And this I actually got stuck with President Taylor. And it's always stuck with me because I was very disappointed I didn't get one of the good presidents. So I had to do a whole project on this guy. So whenever he pops up now later in life, I'm like, I know him. I know him. And I'm probably one of the only people that do. <laughs> Total side note. But so for all of our listeners, we have her notes up on her screen. And I'm perusing through Jason's. And I see Zachary Taylor. Zachary, Zachary Taylor, right? And I'm looking and I'm like, wait, is that one of the kids from Home Improvement? What? <laughs> but then I saw the 1848 before it. And I was like, no, it can't be. But for some reason, Home Improvement came to mind. You're thinking of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, I don't know. It just That's um, what came to mind, but I was like, that, I don't know how that makes sense with bandwagon. But anyways, right, go ahead. So, 1848, right? <laughs> uh, soon to be President Taylor. Um, he uses the slogan, jump on the bandwagon, right? He physically wants people to support him, um, and it worked. And it worked so well, the phrase actually caught on. 
You see it again in 1900s. William Jennings Bryan used it during his campaign. Oh, my God. The look on her. Guys, I don't know if you remember how often we talk about it. I know it was in the Meet Us, the very first episode of this podcast. But I'm a history teacher, right? That's what I do. The look on my wife's face right now matches the level of disappointment I feel uh, you guys can You still imagine. love me. It's okay. So was he another president? Yes. Okay. Um, so he uses it. And again, it, in those days, it means exactly what it sounds like, right? They gave these speeches on a float on an actual bandwagon, and they wanted people to support them and follow them. The only difference is now you can still hear it during politics um, because, you know, it does carry that same meaning. But like we talked about at the top of the show, it's widely used during, you know, sports conversations. Um, but it's also more of a derogatory term. Um, nobody's ever happy you've jumped on their bandwagon, right? Especially if you are a lifelong fan of that team and then somebody's on the bandwagon, you're upset at them. Right, because you've spent your entire, however long you've liked that team, knowing about the team, being passionate about it, and all of a sudden you have this person who all of a sudden, now that they're winning, all of a sudden that's their favorite team, and they usually, and you're good about this, uh, having those conversations, and you've had a lot of people who can't hold a conversation about that team or even name three players on that team because they don't know. Yeah, but they got that championship shirt on. Uh, I'm particularly thinking of one person right now. I have I have a, a good friend that is a diehard Lions fan, and they are doing very well right now. Um, this episode might not age well because, you know, who knows when you're going to listen to it. Um, could be now, could be years from now when they're maybe not doing well. But right now, at the time of this recording, the Lions are doing very well. And he is a diehard Lions fan, and he loves that team. And he loved them when they were bad so i i'm happy for him right now because he he's getting his time yeah he, he earned it. it um but i'm sure there are plenty of people jumping on that bandwagon so just like we hear it in sports we hear it in politics it means the same thing let's support something let's you know let's get this cause rolling but like i said in politics it seemed more of a positive thing and the way we use it in sports now more of a negative thing so so before we move on to the next phrase, I'm to the historian in the room. So you said at the beginning they used to use, they used to literally be on essentially a float campaigning, trying to get people to jump on the bandwagon. Yes. Do you have any chance, like, how long that lasted before they used different forms of? Oh, years. It went on, you know, probably 50 plus years. The only difference was they stopped letting candidates use that. Um, form of media, like I yeah, wouldn't say media, but form of. So they they ended up uh, also yeah they ended up also using trains, um, where a, a candidate would be on the back of a train, or a train would have you know like in between the cars. No, no, on the back when there's when there's no other car, you know. Okay. And the train would roll up to the stop and give the speech, and it was already elevated, and they were sort of on their own stage, and then they would. Roll away. So that was when it like it went past the floats and then it went to the trains and then no used... simultaneously. Um, okay. Eventually, people just built stages and gave speeches. Okay, makes sense. Thank you for clearing that up for me because I was just curious. <laughs> Do what I can. All right, Lisa, you're up. What is our next sports reference? All right, so my sports reference is pass the buck. Are you familiar with this one? So, so this one I am. Um, I can't imagine the sports connection here. Um, until I got to look at, you know, your doc, 
So please explain, because this episode is sports. I'm going to say this is a very loose sports connection, but go on. So for all of our listeners, passing the buck refers to, like, passing the blame or responsibility to another person. So I was curious as how this related to sports as well. So it dates back to the 19th century, and it dates back to poker. So I'm going to catch a lot of grief. One of, one of my uh, closest friends um, is a very skilled poker player, and he's also a very extreme sports fan. So I would be curious on if he thinks sports qualifies under the umbrella. I'm sorry, I would be curious to think if he thinks poker qualifies under the umbrella of sports. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but we classified it as sports. For the sake of this episode, yes. Uh, so in poker, for all of you that are unfamiliar, in each round when you're playing poker, a different person's in charge of dealing the cards up. And I don't play poker often, very little at all, but I guess sometimes you forget whose responsibility is to deal. Am I correct? You play poker. Yeah, so this is important because, you know, it goes dealers left, and then there's the, you know, the blinds, just depending on, you know, what style of poker you're playing. Um, But mostly, nobody wants to deal all night, you know, so you take turns. But often I, often I feel like, especially when I have, I've seen you play poker with the guys and things like that. There's usually cigars and beers or alcohol involved, so that could kind of make it hard to keep track of sure. who's doing what. But Where's the buck come in? Because So the buck was what they used to signify whose responsibility it was to deal. Not like and a dollar, right? No. Like it used to be like a buckhorn handle. Oh, like like a, like a deer buck. Like. Yes. Like that physical thing was used and put on the table, and that's what was in front of who had to deal. First off, when we play poker now, we got these little plastic chips that just say dealer on them. Throw those things in the trash. We need to get some buckhorn handles back on the table. It was usually like a knife with the buckhorn handle, so it was something oh, pretty hefty. You had me at buckhorn handle. That is awesome. I am... I don't know if I ever showed you. Did you ever see those advertisements for the rings? They make these rings now with, like, manly things in them. And one of the things in them are, like, probably buckhorns, you know? I, I don't know the company's name. You know, hashtag not a sponsor. But they, they put meteors and dinosaur bones in them. Oh, the like the T-Rex or, like, yeah, the woolly mammoth or something I, I saw the ad for. they got buckhorn rings or something like that. <laughs> Anyone looking for Christmas gifts? I mean, it's like going, what Jason wants. He wants a buckhorn. I'm throwing ring. the dealer chip away, and I'm getting a knife with a buckhorn handle. Oh goodness, I gave him bad ideas here. All right, so um, later on, what we use now, any a silver dollar, a chip, any small object that can be used to show who's responsible for dealing. Okay, so uh, I I don't know that. I don't know that anybody likes the deal, right? Nobody, I don't know, they just don't want that responsibility or they just want to make it fair. Um, But it's a lot to deal on every hand. I guess it depends on how many people are, I mean, if it's just like three or four guys, I don't see it being that much. But if you got like, well, I don't know, a lot of people. These games go on for hours, though. But you each take a turn. It's not like you're having to. That's what I mean. If you're each taking, if you're both each. If everybody's taking a turn, then not. But I'm talking about if one person deals the whole time, it gets 
Yeah, I can see it getting a little exhausting. Um, one fun use of the term that I learned about was President Truman, on his desk, he had a little placard that said, the buck stops here, which he used. Um, he didn't create himself, obviously. He got it from somewhere else, but he thought it was a good way to show that him being in charge, he was all the responsibility to make the decision was left for him to do. It's a pretty baller thing for a president to do. Um, but you know what I'm just now connecting in my head? That hmm. the, ever watch a TV show and at the end it goes like, to be continued? Yes. That's these phrases. The buck stops here. To be continued. Or backwards, right? Pass the buck. To be continued. The buck stops here. They're one after the other, right? Am I overthinking this? I just feel like the two phrases are connected, no? I, I don't catch it, but I'm... I'm usually slow to catch on to things, so that could very well be possible as well. But I don't see the connection, but that just could be me. They connect, trust me. <laughs> all right, all right. So um, we are now in the home stretch. Um, this is something that is easy to recognize if you are a sports fan. Lisa, when you're in the home stretch, what sport are we referring to? I'm hoping I get this right or else I'm going to be sleeping on the couch. Um, baseball. You're, I, I think you're thinking of the seventh inning stretch, which is the home stretch of the game. Mm. Related. Are we talking about like horse racing? Yes. So okay. Most okay. Old Second t- track. Yeah. Most old-timey phrases can be, you know, connected back to horse racing. Um, same thing. If you're in the home stretch, if you're down to the wire, um, both of those are horse racing terms. Um, where you would literally be, you know, down to the wire. They're referring to the finish line, right? Like the last few minutes or something. Because I've heard you... Well, not minutes in a race, but... Well, I mean, because it's... I've heard it used to reference other sports, though, now, right? Yeah, so this is part of the reason why I like this phrase. And horse racing in general, they use... I mean, it's been around for so long, and it was so popular for a very long time that we get a lot of phrases and things that come from horse racing, like... To be in the home stretch, that's the last leg of the race, you know? And to come down to the wire, that's the finish line of the race. And now we hear those things that were specifically designed just for horse racing, you know, because they actually used to stretch a wire across the thing, and, you know, whichever horse broke the wire won the race. Is it like a piece of string or like an actual wire wire? Not like a dangerous wire. It was probably like a string, you know? Like like a a ribbon string? string. Okay. But this was before, you know, photo finishes and cameras and technology and sensors and all of that stuff so you would actually have to you know touch the wire you know and that home stretch we do this when we've been to the track um and again i the the friend that you know usually is at the track with me you watch and you watch and it goes around and if you guys if you guys have ever been and seen a horse race you can't even get excited to the home stretch to that last leg of the race because literally anything can happen. But even if you've even been to the track and you've opened the book, there is all these statistics of, you know, how the horse does and the first eighth and the last eighth, you know, it's, it's very complicated actually, but I just pick by the cool names, but Hey, and it works more often than it does when I try to pick. So, um, but no, I, I get what you mean. Cause I've been there a few times where 
the horse I've chosen is in the lead probably the first half of the race, even the second. All the way around the bend, right? Second, all around the bend. Once they hit that last corner and they're headed toward the finish line, all of a sudden, somehow it loses all of its steam. And all of a sudden, the horse way in the back all of a sudden makes it to the finish line first. I think your horse just needs a better jockey. All right. uh, Lisa, before we get to the listener's pick, uh, bring us home with our last sports phrase. So the one I found was out of left field. I've heard this one, but I personally, until researching it, didn't really know. I guess I still don't know exactly because there's two possible origins for it. But out of left field refers to something happening out of nowhere or that it's unexpected. Yeah, so this is what I particularly enjoy because I think, you know, out of left field, obviously, you know, a sports reference. But I think everybody uses this. Like, so many people say this, or if you said this to anybody, they would know exactly what you're talking about, right? That it's out of nowhere, unexpected. So where's the sports connection here? So this one I thought was pretty cool as I was researching it. So one of the origin stories dates back to the West Side Grounds, which is where the Cubs played before Wrigley Field was built. Yes, sir. So it was said that outside of left field of the West Side Grounds, um, there was a Cook County mental health facility. I love where this is going. <laughs> it was said that the fans and people at the games could hear patients screaming way out in left field. Okay, and that just obviously is unexpected or out of nowhere. Right, kind of just not, yeah, you don't expect to be at a baseball game and hear patients from a mental health facility screaming in the background. That's not the normal sounds of a baseball game. Okay, so I do remember, maybe not, you know, um, from a mental health facility, but a while back, Lisa was generous, generous enough to get me a tour of Wrigley Field as a gift, and we went. Do you remember what the tour guide was saying about the bleacher bums? No. You, that no, tour. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember them saying that they get wild. So, yeah. They like, try to, like, climb over the, that's why they have the little fencing there now. Yeah. They like to climb over and do nonsense because they're drinking too much. But. So, so if you've never been to a baseball game or particularly Wrigley Field, we have the bleachers out there, um, you know, beyond the home run wall. And it's, it gets crazy out there. It's, you know, it's. Seating is a free-for-all, and the, the beer is flowing quite well. Um, and he, the tour guide told us about how the people would get so wild out there. So I just wonder, like, how much of that story is connected to, like, hearing these, you know, people from the mental health facility, you know, yelling crazy things. It just seems like it gets wild out there. Yeah, I mean, does it have anything to do with the pitchers being left-handed or right-handed, or does that not have anything to do with it, you think? So I think that's closer to the actual meaning. Again, the okay. bleacher bum thing and the mental health facility kind of seems like, you know, old wives' tales. True. Um, but no, the 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 pitcher being left and right-handed uh, doesn't so much affect it, but the batter being right and left-handed does. The majority of hitters in the MLB are right-handed, so they hit to right field. So typically what teams do, because not a lot of balls get hit to left field, because it's hard to go oppo and, you know, pull. They stick the best hitter on your team with the worst glove all the way out in left field. Because they will see the least amount of action. You want them in the game because you want them at the plate. 
you just don't necessarily want that defensive liability. So if it's coming out of left field, it's unexpected because most players probably can't hit a ball to left field. So if you get th- if you get thrown out in left field to cover that area, they're not they're not expecting to get much play. No, but they do want your bat. It, it means you're a good enough player that they want you to hit. They just don't want you to have to catch the ball. Gotcha. Interesting. I think that one is probably more likely. But I thought the other one was interesting as a possible origin of out in left field. And you know what it could be, especially because... Or out of left field, so I say. You know, phrases like this have been around so long. I would wonder if it's a little bit of both, or one inspired the other, or one reason caused it. You know what I mean? I mean, it could have been a story that a few people told from an isolated situation where they heard something and it kind of spread and became a thing as well, so who knows? Yeah, but I just know that if, you know, from a technical standpoint, if something is coming out of left field, it is definitely unexpected because not a lot of balls get hit that way. All right, so this has brought us to our listener's choice. So, Jason, what is it this week? So this one came from a buddy of mine. Um, and he brought it up because it's one of his favorite phrases. It is the rule of thumb. So he asked me to put this on an episode because he's got a, he misunderstands the origin of this. So I thought it'd be good to bring it up. So before we get too deep into that, Lisa, what is the rule of thumb? The rule of thumb is like just a basic understanding of something. Yeah, I guess it sort of just means like, this is how it is. Right, I have no idea what the rule and thumb have to do with it, but I've just known it as forever being just like, that's just, it's a matter of fact of the way something is. Exactly, right? And people say that all all the rule of thumb around here is blank, or that's just the rule of thumb, right? Right. So he asked me to put this on here because it came from a very, you know, popular, or at least popular to us. It's one of the movies that we love, um, Boondock Saints, right? So they tell a story in the Boondock Saints about what the rule of thumb is. And the story goes that, you know, back in the day, men could legally beat their wives with a stick that was no wider than their thumb. The look on Lisa's face is insane, right? You've never heard that? I have absolutely never heard that. I've made you watch this movie. If you Okay, I'm not like, I, I, if any of you know Jason, he can literally recite the words to I don't know. Every movie's ever seen. I can't do that. I probably wasn't paying attention at that point. Maybe I fell asleep. But okay. no. The movie's great. I don't remember that scene, though. Okay, so that that's one of the scenes in the movie where they explain that, you know, that's where that phrase comes from. So, and we've talked about this on a couple episodes last season. Once something hits the media, used to be books, newspapers, and then, you know, recently it's, you know, it's TV, it's... Social media. So, yeah. So, once a, something hits mainstream media it spreads, right? I think when this movie came out, that sort of spread it to the general public that the origin of that phrase, you know, that men could beat their wives with a stick no wider than their thumb, um, was true. The only problem is, it's not true. Um, That idea, though, caught on because there was even some, you know, whispers that, you know, back in the 18th century, there was a judge, Sir Francis Bueller, that he's rumored to have said this, um, during a court hearing, um, but there's no record of that that exists. Um, and because there's no record, that it's hard to say if that actually happened. 
Um, in the 1970s and 1980s, there's even some legal precedent that started with this phrase, you know, in cases to do with, like, domestic violence and stuff. Okay. But, again, all of these things, these, you know, these legal precedences and stuff like that, they're stemming from an origin that is, it's not where the phrase comes from. So this is actually a 17th century Scottish proverb that is more about actually working, like working with your hands. Jobs like carpenters and tailors, they often use their thumb as a unit of measurement. When, when you're trying to do a job quick, especially you think tailor, carpenter, you just need to get an idea of space. Uh, well, personally, if someone's building something for me, I want them to use a little more accurate of a form of measurement than their thumb to build my house. All right, or they're not using their thumb to build a Use it as a unit of measurement. I'm just not saying to here. build a house, Lisa. <laughs> Guys. No, it's it's small projects, things like that, handyman stuff or tailors. Again, if somebody's making, I want my clothes to be done right too. Okay. The thumb is about an inch. About right? is not enough. I need it to be even. But go ahead. So the the level of disgust you have with this uh, is fitting because the actual proverb was actually somewhat negative. Um, it something along the lines of foolish builders who build by guess and by rule of thumb and not by the square and rule. So the original proverb is, you know, if you're using the rule of thumb, if you're actually building by the measurement in your thumb, you're foolish and you're doing guesswork. I 100% agree. I would not want that tailor or carpenter building anything or creating anything for me. But I would think in most cases, like even when I, you know, when I hang stuff around the house or I do something, you know, if I'm building something big, you know, measure twice, cut once. But if it's a little handyman work around the house, I'm definitely eyeballing a lot of that stuff. Um, but nonetheless, um, the actual proverb, like I said, it was negative. It was to kind of make fun of people that did that and didn't use the square rule, you know, actual tight measurements. Um, but the, the, you know, the legal precedents and all the domestic violence stuff and the idea that men used to be allowed to either was none of that's actually true um but it catches on in the court system it catches on in movies like the boondock saints and all of a sudden so my buddy that actually told me that phrase was heartbroken when when i found when i told him that do you that, think it had to do with beating your wives from the boondock saints no he just thought that like he thought it was cool that he knew the origin of a phrase uh, you know and like kind of okay and then i was like ah uh, not really um, he was kind of wrong. So um, totally on topic, but off topic. When you were discussing this, because my algorithm is strange, um, I get these uh, TikTok videos of like girl math or like girl measuring, where listeners can't see me, but how women when they're trying to measure like how big something is, they just kind of stick their hands out and they they put them out to a certain ex- like to a certain point, and then they'll go ahead and they'll like wander over to whatever they're trying to as fit as if in that their spot. hands and arms are moving right yeah. if they're hand, like oh it should fit and it usually doesn't yeah that's but the, that that's but the that's rule what of I, thumb. but that's what i think of when i think of the rule of thumb that oftentimes me personally i'm not taking out the measuring tape i'm probably gonna measure with my hands and be wrong and then my husband will have to fix it but yeah it goes like that well on that note thank you for joining us for season two episode two sports uh, we appreciate you sticking with us through the home stretch and our new segment, Listener's Pick. Just a reminder, please rate and review wherever you're listening. 
And follow us on Instagram at Once Upon a Phrase and submit your phrases so we can add them to our next episode. And if you're hungry, fatchrispizza.com. If you're in the Chicagoland area, there's n- I can't say enough about those guys. Uh, give them a shot. Otherwise, thank you and until next time. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.